Hello and welcome to Money Life. This is Sucheta Dilal. This week, I'm going to talk about the farcical manner in which we seem to deal with financial frauds and more importantly, the recovery process. This is not connected with this government. It is across political formations and it goes back for the last 30 odd years that I have been reporting on business and finance. So it is such a wonderland that I would say that even Lewis Carroll himself would be stumped at what we do and how we go about recovering money. Now, what is the trigger for this particular video blog? Obviously, Sahara. Shubrata Roy, the founder of Sahara, passed away on 14th November. And immediately after that, the government jumped up and decided to look at explore legal options, as the media tells us, to find if it can take the money that has been accumulating with the Securities and Exchange Board of India since about 2012 or rather 14, because that's when the payments started happening. From that time, for almost 10 years, over 25,000 crore has accumulated with SEBI. That was never the intention, but the government now wants to take that entire money and put it in the Consolidated Fund of India. Let's look at how this developed. So, Subrata Roy and Sahara, as you know, was in all kinds of businesses from airlines, insurance, finance, mutual funds, what have you. They suddenly decided to raise 25,000 crore through two realty companies without taking SEBI permission, without wanting them listed on the exchange. The Securities and Exchange Board of India cracked down on Sahara. Sahara thought it's about the law, usual full page advertisements. Matters slowly went up to the Supreme Court. At one time, Sebi was called a Sarkadi Gunda in a full page ad by, issued by Sahara in all the papers. That's what used to happen. Many of you would have got it because 2012, who remembers what happened a decade ago? But people lost money and this was collected. Now, the Supreme Court in a landmark order told Sahara that you will refund the money but because the Supreme Court didn't think the company would do it themselves, the company kept claiming we have refunded it. They said, send the money to SEBI. We will have a retired judge of the Supreme Court supervise the process and SEBI will refund the money. Nothing of that sort happened because Sahara didn't seem to have any investors. Hardly anybody came forward. Just a small amount, 138 crores was refunded to 17,000. 526 investors who apparently admitted to having bought those two realty company debentures or having flipped them for Sahara Q shop. Meanwhile, Sahara had deposited just 15,000 plus crores out of the 25,000 crores that it had raised. Over 10 years with interest accumulating, this kitty has grown to 25,163 crores, huge amount which is supposed to go into the Consolidated Fund of India. While all this was happening, so think about it, Subrata Roy himself was jailed for almost two years for contempt of court. There's a Supreme Court order which comes after a long battle in 2012. And yet, from 2012 onwards, in fact, mainly after 2014, Sahara went ahead and set up four large cooperatives North, South, East and West. I'm not going to get into it because I have done an entire video blog on it. You can look at it. 
it raised an astounding 86,000 crore. Remember, serious frauds office, SEBI, Ministry of Corporate Affairs, questions in Parliament, all this is happening. The Supreme Court is listening to a case that adds in the paper against the regulator. And this company just coolly raises 86,000 crore. Now, these are a different set of depositors. These are real. They are not ghosts. In fact, they have been clamoring for their money. Some of them have died by suicide because they were so frustrated at having lost the money. We have covered this also in detail in my previous video blogs. Now, on 29th March this year, well before uh, Sahara Shri's death, the Home Ministry suddenly got onto that because I think so many protests, it doesn't make it to mainstream media doesn't make it to television channels that have screaming matches every evening, but large groups of people had been protesting all over the country and demanding their money back. They were camping outside Sahara offices and politically for local politicians this becomes a problem. So the Home Ministry suddenly went to the Supreme Court and out of the blue, there was a Supreme Court order which told SEBI to transfer 5,000 crore out of this 25,000 crore that it had to the Central Register of Cooperatives. Now, the Press Information Bureau, which has never issued a release on Sahara, went out of its way to declare that this is a historic decision and that 100 million investors would get their money back. A portal was being set up, in, depositors were told, upload it, and you will get your money back. Not everybody, but at least on a pro rata basis, 5,000 crore. Now, I don't want to do the math of how 5,000 crore can be distributed among people who have deposited 86,000 crore rupees, but that's for another day because nobody has got their money as yet. In fact, Money Life Foundation, our sister NGO, you know, reacted to the plight of people. We got emails from these depositors saying, help us get our money back. So we formed a telegram group which still has 1,000 Sahara depositors on it. No one's got their money back. We have, through the help of senior counsel Sham Diwan, filed an intervention petition in the Supreme Court on behalf of one group of these depositors, Sahara Cooperative Society, where 3,000 crore had gone to SEBI. All this is in limbo. Now we hear the entire 25,000 or rather 25 minus 5, 20,000 crore, which is with SEBI may just go into the Consolidated Fund of India, no talk about what happens to depositors' money. There is instead the discussion is about how government borrowing will be less. This is great for the bond market. And these large number of millions of investors, nobody is even talking about them. This is one case, huge, 86,000 crore. I'm going to talk about two more in this block. One, relatively really small pan card clubs. This has been again going on for more than a decade. Okay. I want you to look at the whole drama of how the regulator goes about trying to recover this money. Pan card clubs, first of all, look at how the name is sanctioned. It was set up in 1997. It's been collecting money. It has all kinds of schemes, but basically says it's going to run hotels and resorts across the country and have a timeshare project where you buy into a membership and you can stay in one of those hotels for about a week. It's been in trouble since 
about 2012. But in the meanwhile, it raised 7,035 crore from 5.15 million investors without any regulatory checks. All you need to do is promise a high return. Now, the earliest case that Money Life has reported was 2012, where the widow of a deceased auto rickshaw driver won a case in a consumer court. Her husband had got a PAN card membership for paying, by paying just 1,000 rupees, which was bundled with a 50,000 rupee insurance cover. But when he passed away, PAN card refused to pay. She went to the consumer court and won. Then in 2014, SEBI, fresh from the Sahara victory, cracked down on a whole lot of collective investment schemes, all of them across the country, many of them in Bengal, Alchemy, uh, Sharda had raised hundreds and thousands of crores. Bankards was one of them. So SEBI cracked down starting 2014. It said this is a collective investment scheme. Should an interim order barring Bankards from raising fresh money, launching any more schemes and put a stop to it. Obviously, they went into appeal. It went to the Securities Appellate Tribunal, which for once upheld uh, Sevi's case in 2017. That's also the year when the company's founder, Sudhir Moravikar, passed away. After that, it's been downhill for PAN cards. By 2018, Sevi had seized first 24 properties, appointed SBI Capital Markets to auction them, then attached a whole bunch of hotels, land parcels, luxury cars across the country, and again, attached to auction them. How much did it collect? Just 114 crore. Remember, Pancards has collected 7,035 crores. What did SEBI get after its sales? Only 114 crore. SEBI is sitting on this money. Meanwhile, some of the creditors dragged it to the bankruptcy court and insolvency proceedings began in September 22. So this is nearly eight years later. SEBI, of course, filed a petition saying, Stay away, we are looking at it, we are the regulator because this is a collective investment scheme. The National Company Law Tribunal didn't accept SEBI's stand, it dismissed its petition, SEBI went into appeal to the NCLT LAT, the NCLT Appellate Tribunal, that also rejected SEBI's stand and told SEBI in March this year, please transfer the money that you've collected to the corporate debtor so that it becomes part of the package to attract maybe good bids for this uh, company called Pancards Limited. Meanwhile, SEBI says nothing doing. It's going to the Supreme Court and it says it'll wait for that. Simultaneously, the resolution proceeding is continuing. There are three bidders. And it turns out that the money raised is not just 7,035 crore, it's a lot more. So 7,215 crore is the admitted claims before the bankruptcy proceeding. So all creditors put in their claims and then there is a resolution professional who looks at it and then he admits what seem like valid claims, which are 7,215. Another 2,000 crore of claims were rejected by the resolution professional and another 1,800 crores remain unreconciled. So calculate. This means that PAN cards, otherwise 
hardly known except for people who were lured with high returns, raised 11,000 crore without any regulatory checks. So anybody asking them, what are you doing? All they did is promise a high return. What is the real value of PCL? So on one hand, you have SEBI, which has collected only 114 crore. Now look at what bids have been received. There are three genuine bidders, all realty companies. One is Ashdan Properties. Another is a consortium led by Shanti Hospitality and Vijay and Kanta Devi Oswal. And the third is Chem Hub Trading. Each of them have made bids, which are a few hundred crore. So typically the bid is split into two. One is a committed payment that each of the bidders is going to make. There's also going to be this 114 crore that will hopefully come from SEBI if the Supreme Court dismisses it or whatever happens. And then there is the unconfirmed bid, which based which is based on all kinds of eventualities. We'll raise debentures if something happens, if some money comes in, or we get more money out of property sales. So that is uncommitted. Typically, it is only the committed amounts that are taken seriously from the bidders. So what has been bid? Shanti Hospitality, biggest bid of 1200 crore, but the committed part is barely apparently 140 crore. Say my sources. Ashtan Properties committed a payout of 360, much higher, although its total bid is pretty low, 545 crore, and there are some six assets from which it hopes to recover money. Chem Hub Trade Links has made a bid of 707 crore, of which only 280 crore is committed. Which means that all these bids, if you look at the committed part, the highest is about 360 crore as against 11,000 crore that the company had raised and 7,215 crore that is admitted. The disparity shows you how little anyone's going to get. And the investors here run into several lakhs, millions. Now, what can swing the vote? There again, whether they get the 380 or they get 140 is a big question. What swings the vote is the number of people who actually cast their vote. So there's a section 25A bracket 3A of the bankruptcy law, which says that the final decision depends on the class of creditors who cast their vote. Look at how it works. So there are 5 million retail investors in Pancard, but most of them don't understand, will not know about the voting and say barely a hundred cast their vote. If 60 of these vote in favor of any one of these bids on whatever grounds, the entire class is deemed to have voted for that decision. So those few that vote will decide on behalf of 5 million. This, as you know, can be easily manipulated, but that is the law as it stands with lots of leeway to manipulate bids. Is it happening in PCL? We don't know. But what we know is the bids were almost decided, somebody raised an objection, and in the next few days, this matter is going to be decided again because the NCLT asked the resolution professional to reevaluate, call another meeting of creditors, and it's going to happen anytime now. We will wait and see. What we know is that out of the 7,000 plus crores that was raised, investors have no chance of getting literally anything because the bidders themselves have just bid a few hundred crore. The third one is equally large, 
maybe half of Sahara, 49,000 crore. It's another staggering number raised from 55 million people by what was called PERLS or PACL. Farmers, low-income people from across the country were shown some land banks and this money was raised from them. They all assumed they were holding a portion of land and the man just took his money. The family Magus ran away to Australia. The original founder is no longer alive. Typically, this huge amount of money was raised because various courts in India helpfully gave them repeated stay orders until it finally climbed to the Supreme Court. There again, strong order, a retired Supreme Court judge has been put in charge of recovery. These lands are being uh, attached, sold, but slightly better than Sahara. What has happened again in almost eight to 10 years? Two million investors with claims of about 17,000 have actually got some money back. How much has been paid? 919 crore. How much was raised? 49,000 crore. How many investors were there? 55 million. How many have got paid? 17,000. It is farcical, like I said. The lesson is retail investors have little hope of getting their money thanks to how the recovery process works in India, the slow manner in which things move through the judiciary, the stay orders that I got, things finally move to the Supreme Court when there's hardly anything to recover. And then the regulator takes its own time because the process apparently is crazily wrong. Don't make a mistake. If you make the mistake of investing in an unregistered, unregulated scheme because you're lured by high returns, this is a lesson for you that you will hardly get any money back. There's no point in complaining. This is the fact of life about India today. If you agree, please share this video so that more people are alert. Get them to subscribe because that's how they'll be warned of things like this. Thank you.